Hi, this is Sarah from Little Tart Bake Shop in Atlanta. I want to tell y'all about the third annual cookie grab that is happening right now. Um, we have raised over the past two years over $50,000 for Planned Parenthood Southeast um, through a fundraiser that basically links up Atlanta's best bakers, pastry chefs, and chefs. And what we do is we all, uh, there's 26 of us this year, it's our biggest box ever. It's like 10 more cookies than last year. We um, each bake a cookie uh, and you get a box that has one of each cookie from 26 bakers. So you get a box of 26 cookies. Every single dollar that you spend on that box goes to Planned Parenthood Southeast. It stays in the uh, in Planned Parenthood in our community. Some of that money has helped the uh, fund the center in East Atlanta. It's uh, so it's really awesome. We're selling them now through um, basically through like February until we sell out, but through early February. And then they'll be available for pickup at uh, locations around town, including Little, Tar Little Tartan Summerhill, um, Octane on the West Side, Sun in My Belly. And then also this year we have a pickup in Athens. So if anybody is listening from Athens, you can buy a cookie box and pick it up at the expat. So uh, they are $60. And if we sell all 500, which I'm confident we will, we will raise $30,000 for Planned Parenthood Southeast. So buy a cookie box for, you know, your friends, your office, your... Uh, your significant other because we're picking them up on uh, the 13th and 14th. So Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day. And if you want to find out more, you can go to Little Tart Instagram, Little Tart's Instagram. We're going to have a link right at the top of where you can buy a cookie box and that'll send you to Planned Parenthood's website. So every week we'd buy a six pack or two and like five or six of us would watch Good Eats and try a new beer and we would talk about the episode and the beer and everything. And then we watched the one on making beer and we're like, well, we've been drinking good beer while watching this. We all know how to cook. This doesn't look that hard. Let's just give it a shot. And that's basically how that the idea of like, let's brew some beer started. <laughs> Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. We have a first for you here on the podcast. We're bringing you a beer story. The number of incredible beers, Atlanta-based breweries, and beer operations have continued to rise over the years. And for our first show with one of those brewers, we're bringing you Jason Santamaria, one of the co-founders of Second Self Beer Company. And these guys are doing things in the realm of canned beer that come at you with a multi-sensory approach. Everything is calculated, Everything has more meaning than you might catch at first glance. And these guys bring intention and precision to design and especially flavor. So without further ado, let's talk about beer. Here's Jason Santamaria of Second Self Beer Company. funny like I, again like I've just never been here so like which is <laughs> which is really funny because typically I mean I, I lived in Charlotte North Carolina for many years and beer um it's great there, beer town yeah but there was a point where there were so many breweries opening and you would go to the brewery before you would see a retail aspect for the brand so yep. like I'm drinking your beer at like directly at the source like right next to like the brightening tank <laughs> before you actually have bottles or cans right yeah and and it was a big growler town for a long time mm -hmm. so I know that shifted quite a bit but 
Um, yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for yeah. having oh, me. Oh, you're welcome. And yeah. that's, you know, that's different culture from different states, too. I mean, we're kind of, I think with a law change last year, we will get there. Like, yeah. Um, I don't think people's first response right now is, I want to try second self. I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. And then I'll find it later. Right now, it still is. They come here after they've had it somewhere else. Yeah. Lots yeah. of times. I know. And it's it just seems like we're still dealing with some, like, seriously antiquated laws and approach to the market of good beer, like anything that is essentially with alcohol or spirits. I mean, it just seems like there's, there's really no ground for, <laughs> for some things that are just so dated. You know, uh, the, yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and, you know, I, I lived briefly in California where it's kind of like, it's the ap- absolute opposite. Right. So it's like the wild west. You can do whatever you want. And yeah. You, I was in San Diego, and there was, it's in 2007, there was 140 breweries That's there. That's a great beer town, man. So, Talk about beer town. Yeah, for real. And yeah. But th- the reason it's there is because they have, uh, the breweries have a lot of rights. So yeah. they can self-distribute, they can, you know, so they can afford to start selling three kegs a week out of their, almost out of their basement. Not quite, yeah. not quite that <laughs> wild west. But it, it helps them start and grow organically very easily. Yeah, so. I know, it's so different, but... Um, but I guess in the way of introduction, mm-hmm. uh, J- and I, I, I have this huge thing where I really don't like botching people's names, and yours is pretty straightforward, but is it just Santa Maria? <laughs> yeah, just Santa Maria, just, just like the ship is what I say. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah. I bet you got a lot of that, like, growing up. I did, yeah, and yeah. It's still, people still say, uh, you know, like, uh, like Columbus, right? I'm like, yeah, first time I've heard that one. That's pretty, yeah, I know. clever. My, yeah. my last name is Getz, so people yeah. are like, Ben... Ben gets the job done. And yeah. Like, you know, like you're the first person, this person that's ever told me that. Right. Or, or Ben Jammin. Like, you know how creative you are to ever think about that? <laughs> oh my gosh. You should start it's funny, something like, on that. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I didn't like it because I got made fun of a lot, but it, yeah. now it's pretty, pretty, I love it. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's fun. Cool last name. Yeah. yeah. As you get older, like those things start to stick. You're like, yeah, right. I kind of dig it now. Yeah. But, uh, but man, Jason Santamaria, one of the founders of Second Self Brewing. Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast, my friend. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. You ever been on a podcast before? Uh, yeah, I guess I went to Beer Guys Radio oh, podcast yeah. Yeah, radio yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Uh, complete transparency. You're my first brewery on the show. I noticed. I was like, how Thank the you. hell? Uh, yeah, how the yeah. hell did we make it? You know, <laughs> thirty thirty some odd plus episodes in season one without getting a single brewery on the show. I, I wasn't without trying. Some things like they just didn't work out, or you know, people are busy. And I was like, hey, you know, like some people are like, oh yeah, like we'll totally do that, and they just never really you know, formed, but, and, and also complete honesty. Like, I think I drink more second self beer than any other Atlanta brewery. Not that I don't love everybody else. It's just like, you know, I'm a big fan of canned beer. So, uh, well, thank you very much. And I guess you just picked the right, the, the best brewery to go first. Yeah. So exactly. I'll have to set yeah. the bar very high. So yeah. everyone else will have to Yeah. Try to, try to achieve what we do today. Yeah. So yes. when I when I actually show up to record another interview, it's like, did you listen to Jason's episode? Yeah. That's pretty much what we're shooting for. I don't plan to achieve that. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, Jason's that just was ama- that day. Yeah. yeah. Jason was amazing. It was a rainy Friday. You know. So, but it's great. But the sun yeah. shined during the interview. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but man, I'm I'm really stoked to have you on the show. Like, I, I love your guys' story. Thank you. Um, I think you guys just have. Uh, I mean, th- there's a lot that I want to get to, and especially just around the way that you guys have branded the brewery is such an interest. I mean, there's little details and I love the way that you spell it out. I mean, I've seen it through, through your social media channels and especially on your website. And, um, and I mean, I think you guys, did you guys get your start about like three or four years ago now? Yeah. So we, we launched four years this October. Gotcha. So just hit four years. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there, there's so much that I just really appreciated about, you know, just design and the way that you guys package the brand for people. Um, it wasn't just like, uh, everybody loves West Coast style IPA. So we're going to brew another one for you. Um, there was a lot more to that. And I'm really excited to get more into like your story and what you guys are doing here at the brewery. 
Um, but you don't get to escape this question because every single one of my guests gets this question. And you know, beer being very much a pillar of the culinary industry, uh, and, and also just everyone's life, hopefully, they appreciate beer. But I want to know who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she? Oh, well, this is actually a, an easy question. So <laughs> I grew up in a family of chefs. So my grandfather who's We can high-five yeah, over yeah, that, yeah. so did I. Awesome. All right. So my, my grandfather, who just turned 94 two, two weeks ago, um, born in Cuba, came to the U.S., bounced around, and they settled in Atlanta. And they started a restaurant called Torino's, which was around for about 25 years. Whoa. So, and his sous chef was Alfredo of Alfredo's. No way. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. So he was, you know, he's the patriarch of our, our cooking family on my yeah. dad's side. Meanwhile, on my mom's side, my grandmother, I mean, she, you know, a Southern woman made biscuits every morning, everything. So, you know, we, we spent a lot of time between both families. Yeah. So I grew up cooking and eating and they're, they were kind of like my culinary heroes growing up. Oh for my sure. gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm like, that, like, that's like probably the the most deeply rooted Atlanta native story that I've heard yet. I mean, oh, I, it's, it was yeah. really interesting. Like throughout season one, I, I interviewed people. I was so surprised. They're like, yeah, I grew up in Decatur. You know, mm -hmm. like Decatur in the eighties was so interesting. I'm like, God, I, I mean, I keep, <laughs> I kept like racking them up. Like Jarrett Steber from Eat Me, Speak mm -hmm. Me. Like he grew up in Morningside. Yeah. You know, and like, it just seemed like I kept finding people that they were born and raised in Atlanta like well before the 96 Olympics, you know, like they knew so much about Atlanta, but man, you talk about like history. That's, that's yeah. awesome. That's super cool. Thank you. And you know, I'm actually in the middle of doing what I call a food archeology span project because uh, neither one of my grandparents wrote stuff down. So they passed oh, yeah. everything down. Um, and most of us by feel. So I'm doing like this anal retentive weighing everything, every step along the way to recreate these recipes. And so I'm like making them and having my mom try them for my grandmother's recipe. And then oh, wow. same thing for my dad and my grandfather's recipe. So I got about 10 down and I have like tw about 15 more to do. Yeah. Like family recipes that we've been working on. Yeah. So it's kind what's, of fun. What's kind of like the direction, like cuisine wise, like that you're well, family. Well, that's the funny thing. So we're, my, my dad's family's Cuban, mm -hmm. uh, but they had an Italian restaurant. And then my mom's Southern. So I have those yeah. three big pillars of food I have to tackle, yeah. which are all very different and uh, <laughs> technique-wise and everything. Yeah, but man, you, you split that like a 60-40 or any any percentage-wise. Like yeah. You've got like one cuisine like kind of playing off of the other. And I mean, I think if anything, like Southern is, is just kind of a mashup sometimes mm -hmm. of like where people are from around the world, which is great. You know, like yeah. it's, it has so much regional difference. And um but I don't think you can lose in any one of those arenas. No. And then there's like random things, you know, we'll talk about it, I guess probably later is that like the mole porter is based on a mole sauce. Like we grew up making that at Christmas. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we did that because it doesn't really like heritage wise doesn't work, but I think yeah. my parents just like mole. So we just made it. Yeah. And that was, <laughs> I, so for me, that was just a thing we did. Yeah. And you know, I, I think I've come to appreciate mole a lot more yeah. in, in my adult life. Um, it was always something that was really interesting. Uh, as a kid, but, you know, especially learning like how mole is prepared, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, upwards of sometimes 70 ingredients, you yeah. know, and like it's based off of a mother and I'm a baker. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, having like a mother of my own, like to continually make sourdough bread, like there's just like a, there's like a little dotted line between like, man, like I just, I love that there's like so there's like a lineage of like how people have eaten mole and 
it, there, there's there's slight differences and then there's like major differences between oh, like yeah your mole yeah and, and everything, this yeah, yeah this region like the way that they approach it it's it's always really cool yeah but. I mean it's like a, a curry or anything mm-hmm. uh, regionality it's yeah the, the regions are gonna be different and then the you know families are gonna be different and right. the generations are gonna be different so yeah. it's, it's all that and so you know what I just call it this is like the Santa Maria's '90s mole. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I dig that though. That's that's cool. Like you guys have a family mole. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you ate pretty well growing up, then, yeah? I did. Yeah. So every as a kid, every Friday we went to my grandfather's restaurant, and on Saturday we went to my grandmother's other grandparent uh, in, out in Covington. So you know, I basically stuffed my face full of Italian food, and then Saturday have like giant Southern meal, and then hang out with my cousins and play in the farm. So nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Not, many, not many people can boast that type of. Yeah, upbringing. I mean, we never went out to eat growing up because my, both my parents could cook really well. Yeah. And, and early on, I was I was prepping and cooking and doing everything. I remember um, like in kindergarten buying like a kid's cookbook because I had a lasagna <laughs> recipe and lasagna was my favorite food at the time. Yeah. Still top top five. probably. Yeah. But yeah, it's like <laughs> I have to learn how to make lasagna at five. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's... I went lots of help. I did make it, but... <laughs> yeah. L- lasagna is the kind of thing, it's, it's typically really forgiving, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. I uh, I think one of the, the most interesting things about lasagna is, like, you know, people have, like, such... You know, like, they're, they're, they're so intense in the way that they, like, where it's the, the ricotta, does it have eggs or not? And mm. then, like, the layering is, like, that's, like, the the piece de resistance like you've yeah. got to get the layering right it's like i mean like it you kind of just throw everything into the pan and like the oven does the work and like it's yeah. not gonna taste bad how you gonna go wrong with italian sausage ricotta dude. and mozzarella and noodles yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't <laughs> it's like you, could, you could do three layers of noodles and then like completely change it up and like it's still gonna yeah. taste great yeah. like that's what i love about lasagna it's like yeah, yeah i mean like everything just kind of goes in a pan but yeah. you know it doesn't have to look like art you know before it tastes no. good but uh <laughs> yeah and you you mentioned that your mom was like making biscuits every morning i'm really mm-hmm. i'm interested so like what kind of biscuits was your mom preparing because I, I i learned you know a few years ago i mean i i did not grow up like a huge biscuit fan mm-hmm. you know like i did not have like really good biscuits until i was in college i went to um radford university in southwestern mm-hmm. virginia and i had like such different like really really different style biscuits like people were making them you know more prepared for like sweet and some were more savory some were like the angel style biscuits where it's like yeast and mm. um an alkali leavener yep. so a little bit different, but what kind of biscuits was your mom making for you growing up? Yeah, it was actually my grandmother who was making them. And oh, it's okay. funny. Um, uh, when she she had a biscuit bowl, an old wooden bowl that she used her entire life. Oh, wow. And uh, when she passed, she actually willed it to my dad because my dad was the one who always tried to recreate it as well. I not willed it, but my, my dad's kind of took it over. Yeah. And actually, this past weekend, I did my test to my to my, my parents to see if I could recreate it, and I, I nailed it. So I'm pretty excited nice. about it. Nice. So the secret's probably part of the bowl and the, and the magic that goes along with oh, it. Oh, yeah. But um, in the bowl is a lot of flour. It's, we, they're kind of, I guess, called hand-slung biscuits, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very loose dough, right. uh, almost one-to-one, buttermilk to flour. Um, and you make the loose dough, and you put it in the flour bowl and kind of coat it in flour. You pinch off, kind of quickly form a biscuit and put it in the pan. Yeah. And that's it. Like gotcha. you can't You can't be precise about it yeah once you make that grab you have mm-hmm. to put it down you mm-hmm. can't like oh this is slightly smaller than the other one no yeah no chance 
And if you try to put it, roll it out, you're just going to have a giant mess. Yeah. So it has to be done that way. Yeah. I think it's so, that's what's so uncomfortable to me about like being a bread baker because yeah. biscuits are so unwieldy. It's like, it doesn't even <laughs> look like it's sticking together. Like it's okay. It's going to be fine. Yeah. No, you know exactly. Like, and I put it in and like they're all uneven and everything. And then they rose and it was great. Yeah. So, I know. And like yeah. they're, they're so unwieldy, but they're also very forgiving. Mm -hmm. And like, you can't really go wrong with like, you know, chipping in like cold butter and buttermilk and just a little bit of salt. And it's so simple, yeah. you know? So I, I think that the less that you're actually nice to your biscuit though, like the better they taste, which is so like counterintuitive. Yeah. But it is really funny. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it was a hard whisk too, which is something I would never do for, mm -hmm. you know, baking. Yeah. Um, truth be told, I'm more of a stovetop cook and my brother is a very good baker. Oh, okay. And so when we did this project, we kind of split it up. Although I, I started this earlier, so I was, I was in charge of biscuits. Nice. So. That's cool. <laughs> I've, I've become a big fan of biscuits. So like I, yeah. I love to learn you know, how people approach the process because mm -hmm. it's just so vastly different to like how you treat bread dough, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, uh, it's still a bread. And if anything, like it's way more of like a staple in Southern cuisine than like me baking sourdough and yeah. showing up to a potluck. Right. You know, they're like, this is really good. And it's like, I'm more interested in your biscuits. Like it took yeah. me three days to make four loaves of sourdough, but yeah. like <laughs> your biscuits are way better and they only take like 30 minutes. Right. So, yeah. But I, I appreciate biscuits now, especially in my older age, but um, so home was here? Uh, home was, yeah. I grew up in Gwinnett, so just northwest of the city. And gotcha. I went to uh, Georgia I found, Sec. Yeah, I found so. another one. Found yeah. another like Atlanta native, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe there's that's not, just... The, there's not a lot of us, it yeah. feels like, but I think... You know, there's the, nine of you. There's yeah. No, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I, yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think the people who are taking the chance and creating something, they're doing it because they want to be here and they yeah. have an affiliation to here. I mean... We could have opened a brewery somewhere else, but for sure. we really wanted to be in Atlantic. That's our home. And mm -hmm. we thought we could bring great beer to our home. Yeah, so that was absolutely. Kind of part of that. Yeah. And um, then that, that's actually a great segue. I mean, you talked about like you went to Georgia Tech. I mean, mm -hmm. you grew up here. You went to Georgia Tech. So tell me a little bit about, you know, you grew up here. You went to Georgia Tech. And like I, uh, I know at least a little piece of like from when you guys got started, hearing a little bit of like how you and Chris started the brewery essentially like you guys started brewing beer so tell me about like how you guys met at tech and then like how you guys kind of got into brewing beer sure um we were in the same fraternity at georgia tech so it's kind of we met there um and so we, we started brewing a little bit then so 2004 was when we first brewed our first batch of beer gotcha and there was four of us that were brewing together um, one of them has gone on and designed uh, parachutes for JPL, and the other one designed chips for your phones, and then we're making beer. So it's kind of funny uh, the, where, where this all started. So, um, But yeah, we're a bunch of nerds making beer. And it really, like I said, before the show started, uh, some of it was inspired by that Good Eats episode when we... We, we used to have a night, uh, good eats and good beer. So we would, when the laws changed in Georgia and we allowed to have over beer that was over five and a half percent or 5.9, uh, we went to Greens on on Ponce and literally typewritered the craft beer shelf. Started at the top left and then worked our way down because um, we're engineers. This is what we do. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so every week we'd buy a six pack or two and like five or six of us would watch good eats and try a new beer and we would talk about the episode and the beer and everything. And then we watched the one on making beer and we're like, We've been drinking good beer while watching this. We all know how to cook. This doesn't look that hard. Let's just give it a shot. Yeah. And that's basically how that was the idea of like, let's brew some beer started. Yeah. <laughs> is, and, I, and your, your story is so, is, is so far and away from like the traditional maybe misrepresentation of, and maybe this is very specific to tech because, you know, very, um, you know, like it, it's kind of like the quintessential engineer type individual goes to tech like very very 
just intuitive and like can kind of, you know, Swiss army knife, a lot of parts of life. Like, you know, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't always just become a specialist, you know, like <laughs> just attracts like very intelligent people, like people who go into startups and, you know, they're working for amazing companies and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, especially being in like a fraternity and you guys go the route of like the craft beer side of things, yeah. you know, it's uh that, that's just like, <laughs> it's very, very different, you know, like it's, it's not like the typical college student move to, like really appreciate maybe that's more of like a modern thing now but um you know it's just it's so different than you know i think how college was probably like 15 20 years ago yeah you know but yeah. not that yeah, just probably really wasn't available but so no that's really cool so how did you and chris like i mean so you guys met in the same fraternity yeah so is he from georgia as well yeah he's from uh, kennesaw area so on the other Man. other uh quadrant so i guess there's mm-hmm. 10 of us who have grew up in atlanta so yeah add, add uh, one more to your yeah. list shout out to chris yeah uh, he's uh, <laughs> he's actually in the back working while oh, okay. I'm talking gotcha. so he's doing the hard stuff gotcha um so he yeah so we grew up there and we met at the tech and then you know we brewed for a couple of years started doing homebrew competitions at the time and then once I graduated, I moved to California because I grew up in Georgia and I really just wanted to see somewhere else. So I took the job furthest away and that was in the lovely city of San Diego. Nice. And I was, you know, this was 2007 when I got there. And so Ballast Point, Stone, these these guys were just blowing yeah. up. Ale Smith, these people. Yeah. Um, I, when I was there, there was 140 breweries in the city or county of San Diego. Georgia had like 20 in the state to give you like a yeah. comparison at the time. So I had a great time there. I was uh, on a gig where I was consulting and traveling back and forth to Atlanta, of all places. <laughs> nice. um, and eventually I got um, my, my <clears throat> contract was renewed for two years. And so I said, well, I'll, can I just move back because I'm tired of flying every week and yeah. spending a lot of money on rent for living here for 30 hours a week. Right. And they're like, yeah, sure. That saves us money. Fine. And so I needed a place to live. Uh, Chris needed a roommate. So I was like, hey, uh, let's let's move in. And then after like couple months we just got um we just want to start brewing again and mm-hmm. that was really it so yeah <clears throat> when you guys like early early days of like when you guys started brewing beer mm-hmm. what was what was like a big inspiration for you guys was it something kind of in the flavor profile or is it like emulating another brewery like what what was like the big thing that you guys wanted to brew it kind of comes from all over the place i mean mm-hmm. you can see from our beers and, and a lot of them were developed then or at least had roots in the things that we were doing um, culinary inspired or, or like place inspired. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, I, I like to say, you know, we do more conceptual brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not making a wheat beer. We're making a Thai wheat beer. It's a very different thing, you know? So we never sought out to make the, the world's best wheat, the world's best IPA because we wanted our own version of it. You know, we wanted to have something that was truly unique and different and that sets us apart from everyone else. And that's still how what drives the recipe creation here. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then we did a lot of hybrid style beers, um, which was hard you know, when we did some uh, competitions. So, you know, they're very specific on styles. So the example I like to give is we had a smoked IPA that we put out called Red Eye IPA, like Red Eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and the in, the in the smoke category, it was like, hey, why are there hops in my smoke beer? And in the, in the smoke category, like, or in the other one was like, why are there smoke in the IPA? But at the end, they're like, great beer, weird category, like, wrong, <laughs> wrong one. So there's like, when you do these competitions, there's category 23, which is basically other. And we would get like first, second, third, and other. Ah, uh, because nice. we were, you know, that's just based on, does it taste good? Cool. Is yeah. it well made? Great. And, that, and that's what, that's kind of how you're judged. So at one point, we almost called the brewery like category 23. Because oh, it's kind of like nice. other. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a little too homebrew specific, so I wanted gotcha. to. Gotcha. We couldn't do that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really funny. Like when you get into um, 
like flavor it's not even really the right way to say it but like a beer with a specific flavor profile um the first thing that comes to mind is like ballast point um like the grapefruit sculpin mm -hmm. or the habanero sculpin yep. and like sculpin is just a great beer but right. um especially in terms of like being like a really just like like ipa with a punch you know and um but uh growing or not growing <laughs> living in charlotte for um a little over five years there's a brewery there that they, they brewed like a jalapeno pale birdsong brewing. Have you ever heard of yeah. birdsong? Yeah. So that was like the first beer that I remember drinking in Charlotte where I was like, okay, this is kind of in its own category. I love pale ale, but now like I want to, I want to drink this every single time that I'm eating like, you know, street tacos or, right. you know, just like chips and guac or like, it just had so much more aspect of like the food side of things where I was like, man, like now this is something I want to drink because it's, it's bringing up like notes where I don't have to, you know, eat something that's super spicy. But even, even though the beer, like there was no like capsaicin, like that was captured in the beer. Like it just had that essence. Like it was a really good flavor. And I, um, I, I think I, I really appreciate beers that, that bring that to the forefront, especially like the Thai wheat. Like I'm not typically a wheat beer kind of guy, but like the Thai wheat, because of like that lemongrass kind mm -hmm. of, you know, approach like that, that makes me appreciate beers that are not just like straightforward, like IPA with 90 IBUs. Right. So it makes me appreciate, you know, more of something that's, you know, it, it takes on a little bit more of just like, this is beer, like it's beer as well as something else. And thank you very much. And that's, that's what we're trying to do for the most part. And a lot of this you know, comes from my culinary background, because also in college, I ran a, a catering company. And uh, Chris actually worked for me at some point. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how I paid for college. So get out. Know, yeah. So that was. I've always cooked, and then so when I got into craft beer and then cooking, so making beer was just the next step. It's you know, and so when instead of just sticking to your four pillars of ingredients like they do in Germany, I I don't know, I never understood why you couldn't just put a bunch of stuff in beer. I mean, and you know, Ty, we you mentioned that one. So that this is actually in our home brewing and testing phases, we went through like 52 different versions of that beer. So this is version 53, or it was when we started, <laughs> and it's you know it's yeah. evolved since then. So I don't, right. I don't even know what number it's on. But, you know, it went from having ginger in it to having kaffir lime and coconut and chilies and every other thing that's in Tom Ka soup to the more restrained version that it is now. Right. So basically it was super, it was too simple. It was way too complex. And then it was trying to strip, then stripping it down to the essentials that made it very different and interesting. Yeah. And that process is, it's hard when you're dealing with spices because there's so many different ways you can add them, whether it's on the hot side or cold side or uh, sliced or diced or dried or extracts or all sorts of things. And, you know, what we've landed on is that we don't use extracts or dried ingredients uh, with the exception of like dried chilies from Ole. That's a different flavor sure. on its own. But yeah, so these are all fresh ingredients from basically the cab farmer's market. I pick up on the <laughs> way in. <laughs> Dude, that the cab is like, if, if you're looking for something that's either very, very common or very obscure, complex, not typically found in North America. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing place to learn of things that you did not know existed before you walk through the threshold of the front doors. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, I'll, I'll go by and if I don't, if I've never seen something before, I normally just buy it um, and then try it. Um, I, I, only one I haven't done yet is like winter melon, just cause it's like, looks like a hundred pounds. Yeah. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. But like anything that's small and like fruity looking, I'll buy it just yeah. to see. Uh, we made like a we made a dragon fruit wheat beer. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, that. Um, dragon fruit's really interesting too. It's, it's super so interesting. It's super perfumey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, aromatically amazing. It's a beautiful pink beer. Um, something we could never like, 
produce on a production level, but like right. super great on the small level. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I think that I really love that though. Like where you know, like the breweries that I really love, and um, you know where there's almost like these are these are like the mainstays. You know, like these are like year round or like always available. You can buy them like bottled, canned, like whatever. You know, you can get them more like retail. Um, but then, like, there's always, like, yeah, like, we're going to throw, like, a six dole of this keg, like, only at the, like, only in the tap room. And, you know, like, we'll have it until it's gone. Like, I just love that. Like, that's kind of, like, the, like, the chef trying, like, a new kind of, like, tasting menu. You know, it's like, eh, you know, maybe no one loves sweetbreads. But we're going to try it because it seems like we always have it available. So, like, let's yeah. see if it works. And then, like, when that kind of stuff sticks, like, I just really appreciate that. Yeah. So I always think it's super fun. And so. it's, it's a ton of fun for us and our brewers. I mean, you know, there, our year-round seasonals are something that we have to make very consistently and all the time. Yeah. So it gives us a break to just try something, you know. And we have a pretty open policy with everyone here that if you want to just try it, try it. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I, I've never said no to an idea on the pilot system because I don't know if it's going to work or not. Yeah. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Yeah. I mean, but you don't know until you try. Yeah. And the, the hard, <clears throat> what, what makes a beer harder is that you have to do think fourth dimensionally flavor wise. Right. And there's not immediate satisfaction on, <laughs> on your creation. So yeah. you'll create it and, it and then one to one week to months later, you have to taste it and go, oh, that worked or that didn't. I need to change this one thing. And then we'll try again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And it's, man, it's just so interesting too, because like, I think when you're drinking something, it's so very different to how, I mean, cause like I'm, I'm miserable at wine, like tasting wine. And when you start talking about like tannins and, mm -hmm. you know, things like stone fruit, like I don't really know stone fruit in my mind, like right. and, and trying to taste it in wine. Like I trust you, you know, like yeah. I, whatever you're telling me to taste, like, I guess it's in there. So, but beer is totally, I don't know why. Maybe it's, Maybe it's typically because of like it's carbonated and I'm more used to that on my palate and like I can pull out five different notes. Right. But, you know, like when you start thinking about how you do that in other aspects of the culinary realm, like it's just it, it's really complex. It is. And, it, and so it, there's a lot there. Um, I mean, I started on the beer side, mm -hmm. obviously, and still where my passion is. But even a couple of years ago. Uh, because I didn't know a lot about wine and I wanted to expand my palate, I actively went on a wine journey. So I started learning a lot about wines, different mm -hmm. kinds of wine. Um, and that really has helped my palate develop more and be able to uh, more ex expressly talk about it. And yeah. if you look at flavonoids, uh, the little components that make up beer and wine, there's a lot more in beer, like 10 or 20 times as much more. Um, so there's, the, and because we can do, I mean, because at the end of the day, um, wine is some kind of grapes, some kind of fermentation vessel in time. Mm -hmm. With beer, it's a million kinds of grains mm -hmm. and hops and yeast. And if you talk about someone like us, herbs, spices, and, and fruits, <laughs> yeah. plus fermentation vessels and time. So there's a lot more exponential components as far as manufacturing it. But as far as for me processing it, what was, what was different um, for beer, mentally I see it like a two-dimensional chart. So if you tell me uh, a brewery and a style, I can pretty much figure out like what that beer will taste like in my head. Yeah. Um, but for wine, you have it's like a ten-dimensional matrix. Yeah. Because you have barrels and terroir and grapes and age and oak and and it's just it's too much for me to comprehend. So that's why when I went on this journey, I found a, a friend of mine owned a wine shop, and so basically he was the my Sherpa on that journey. Cause I'm like, <laughs> nice. there's, there's like good red wine and bad red wine. And then there's white wine, which sucks. And that's, that's where I started. And then now I appreciate all of it, but it just, <laughs> and, and, and I like, I like white wine. So, yeah, no, I, so I, I suck. No, I, I love it now, but yeah. you know, it, it, it's, uh, 
cheap cheap white wine is real bad. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Yeah, and then cheap red wine is okay. Yeah, that's that's basically what I've concluded. What my my why my opinion was what it was. Yeah, yeah like my, my mom um, drinks like box Chardonnay. What's mm-hmm. the um, uh, whatever that box brand is that people um, like Franzia. There you go, Franzia. Nice. That one um, where it works better is a doorstop, probably than wine. <laughs> um, but I remember trying Chardonnay out of a box, and uh, it was so astringent. Mm-hmm. I was like, goodness gracious, you clean a wound yeah. with this stuff. Yeah. It's just gross. Yeah, but, and then uh, you have the other ones that are just butter and oak. Yeah, and, I, and those are the two I I knew, and I'm like, well, that's just not my style, so I must not like it. Yeah, turns out I just needed to go a little further. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's like, you know, at first, it's like if I, if I had the maturity level of, of palate that I did at the time and then trying Bud Light for the first time or macro beer at the first time, you're like, oh, beer is gross. Right. <laughs> and then like that's a huge generalization Yeah. because there's just so many different variations. You can't you can't do that. And so yeah. I always encourage people to try things and try things often. I mean, you know, our, our beers change over time. So, yeah. you know, everyone's beers change over time. Yeah. yeah whether you realize it or not, it is because, you know, there's a... a uh, quote from the guy who actually started, founded uh, Goose Island: "Difference between good beers and great beers is that great beers evolve." Yeah. You know, so because the palates evolve, and you have to stay with it. Yeah, for sure. So. That's a good point. Um, so you and you and Chris uh, get to the point where you guys actually want to start Second mm-hmm. Self, and um, and I want to hear like the like kind of like where you guys got to the point of like wanting to start an actual brewery, you know, and um, and like actually tap room and all that kind of stuff. But I also want to spend some time on the brand. Okay. So after that, so give me like the, the quick background, like how did you guys get to like wanting to start like a full fledged brewery in Atlanta? Yeah, they're, they're more tied than you think. So mm-hmm. I'll kind of just start with the story and we can kind of go out from yeah. there. So, you know, it was 2010 is when we, we had the idea, hey, let's start a brewery. And it came from, you know, this is, this is what we were doing on our nights and weekends because we loved it. Let's turn this passion into a reality. And, you know, I, I again, probably growing up the way I did and, and having a company in college, I just wanted my own company. I wanted to run something and create. Um, I was in software, so I'm not really creating. I'm just kind of, right. you know, watching other people make lots of money. Um, and so I just thought it would be more cool to create. So we went to the Craft Brewers Conference in 2010 thinking that we'd learn everything we could. And then two years later, we'd have a brewery. Uh, we went there and realized we didn't know anything compared to what we should have known. And so we basically, the short version is we spent a year researching, a year building a business plan, a year fundraising, and a year building. And then fast forward to 2014, and that's when we opened. Gotcha. So Yeah. And I feel like I remember going to an event that you guys probably just had like a... Uh, um, Oh man, what's the system where you have like in a cooler and uh, like the coils like coming through a cooler? Jockey box. Jockey box. Yeah, I think you guys just had like a jockey box, and it was probably like either one of the beer festivals or it was a food event, and that's where I tried the Thai wheat Mm -hmm. for the first time. I was like, now that's different, and and I think you guys had you know most of like your branding like already kind of like conceptualized and all that kind of stuff, and I was like. This is awesome. So that was probably sometime in 2014 then, I guess. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, 2014 or 2015 is kind of when yeah. we launched. And we were keg only for about six months. Yeah, so, it yeah. might have been in that like that, yeah, that time period. Was. But I mean, our, our first, we, I mean, we had a launch around the city, but our first big public event was at the Decatur Beer Festival that October. It might have been there so then. It might have been then. Yeah, yeah, but I remember just thinking like that was something, especially because it was just very, it, it was typically a beer that like if someone's like, oh, here's a wheat beer, 
you know, or like a, like a Hefeweizen, I'd be like, I mean, I'll try it, but I'm not going to be stoked about it, you know, but since it was a wheat beer, like it was just very different and it's still a beer that I love to buy. I mean, like, and it's typically available because we shop at Publix or whatever and it's always there, you know? And, um, so that, that I thought it was just really cool. And it's something that really set you guys self, like set yourselves apart for sure. And thank you. That wasn't, you know, so when we launched, we had Thai wheat and Red Hop Rye were Mm -hmm. the two beers we started with. And we thought Red Hop Rye would be the one that took us to glory, uh, Mm -hmm. to the much, I mean, that's why our, the top part of the two is red uh to that to that degree and we'll i guess we'll keep diving into branding <laughs> but um you know but thai wheat after month one was the number one seller and has been since then so funny you know and it's into your into same same with you like I, I don't like wheat beers in general so that's why this is much lighter uh than a typical wheat beer and the wheat's really there to reinforce the spices yeah you know we i did start out as a pale ale that's what we that's what we always made mm-hmm. but it was too harsh it was too bitter we needed this wheat to soften everything up for the spices because yeah with that with every beer i try to find something to focus on and reinforce it you know not just make beer you know like you know, so yeah. we wanted to really focus on the spices that's what stands it apart so the wheat was there to soften the sharpness out of the spices gotcha so, so man you guys like <laughs> you you go to beer conference you come back and then it's like kind of year stages until you actually get to like launching the brewery and then you guys start building here and we're around the west side so i mean i'm sure like pretty much for the most part everyone who loves you guys know that you guys are over here at tap room and all that kind of stuff but um but this is i I just i think the other thing that i really like about atlanta is um there's there's breweries in like many different areas of the Mm -hmm. city you know, and like, I mean, you go to like, uh, like Red Brick, like Atlanta Brewing, Sweetwater, like they're not all just like congregated in like one area. And I think where you guys are, it's, uh, I mean, it's usually cool. I mean, it's typically like in a more like industrial type area. It's not just like in like the middle of a neighborhood, but, right. um, but yeah. So like what, what drew you guys like over to this part of town? So what drew us to Logan Circle specifically is because before, um, Dogwood Brewing was here. So this was a brewery that oh, uh, wow. closed in I guess 2004 ish. Um, but with that, that's where Spike came from, from Terrapin. Uh, Crawford was from Five Seasons, JR from Max Lager. Um, Jordan, who started Twain, the Brewing at Twain's. Those are the people wow. that were all at Dogwood who kind of made the, the Georgia beer scene, to be no honest. No way. Yeah. Oh, man, that's really cool. So we knew there was at least building an infrastructure here. Uh, we actually looked at the Dogwood space, and the previous tenant had filled in all the floor drains, which is one of the oh. biggest draws that we had. And then the landlord said, oh, there's a building about to be uh, on the market in a couple months. And he showed us that, and that's the warehouse behind me. Nice. And it was uh, the pedigree of that building. It was that it was where all the potato salad for Hooters was made. So It's actually a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's a, yeah. It was a little hollow ground or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, but, it had, but the important part, it was food manufacturing, so it had everything yeah. we needed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, say, I mean, I, I'm sure I've had the potato salad at Hooters at some point in my life. Oh, they're known sure, for the potato yeah, salad. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's the main thing. Go to Hooters for the potato salad. Yes. So that's the only message that you need. So, um, but, uh, but man, I, I just think this, this is a great space, man. I think it's super cool. And, um, and again, like full honesty, like this is my first time here because I've just been like a, uh, you know, drinking Triforce or Thai weed on my couch after mm-hmm. my kids go to bed. So, yeah. um, but you know, I feel cool now cause I'm actually in the tap room. So, um, but I want to talk a little bit about the brand. Okay. So like, as you guys are like forming, the brewery and like you guys land on second self, which is like, you know, a namesake in and of itself. So I want to talk about that, but then also just like how you guys like very, um, everything is very calculated. <laughs> yes. So just tell me like the Jason side of everything. Sure. And thank you for that. Cause it's something that, um, I don't think a lot of people 
get. Shame uh, on you, people. When when people a lot of <laughs> lot, a lot of patrons will come in here and love our brand and tell us how much it, they love it, and then they see this giant two on the wall or mm-hmm. S on the wall, and they realize it's two twos, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I didn't realize that until I saw it, you know, ten feet tall. Right. Uh, that it's I thought it was just an S. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. it's, there's a lot of thought behind everything here, but so I appreciate that. Um, the name comes from you know, the name led to the branding. Um, so the this was basically my second self is the short version. So this was my nights and weekends, my passion project. This is who I really wanted to be. So this was my second self. Um, kind of like embracing your side hustle and, and, you know, someone who records a podcast uh, oh, yeah. on, on your spare time. So you know, yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. So especially having my corporate job, this was that. And yeah. so when we were doing initial branding, uh, a tech scrubs has been our designer from the beginning. And he's been a friend of mine for a long time, and he drew our initial logo before we started, um, not the one we have now. But and then, so when he realized that we were actually starting a brewery and not just some guys at home who <laughs> want to start a brewery, um, he actually pitched us to the company he was working with, and um, it's Adrenaline at a, at a Buckhead, and so they've never done a startup, or they never worked with anyone local. So they kind of wanted to see what they can do. And yeah. they, they were used to working with giant customers like Honda and Bank of America. Right. So they wanted uh, something fun for their designers. And so Tex really just pitched us and uh, they made it uh, so that we could afford to do it uh, with, with the skills they had. And they're the ones who designed it. And so everything is a duality. So the two is two twos. All of the letters in second self have two elements to them. All of our cans have two sides to them and they have two colors to them. And in this room, we kind of kept that going when we designed it. There's two colors on the wall. There's two um, uh, raw versus painted uh, on the ah, on the bar. Yeah. Um, there's wood and steel are the only two elements here, and so we kind of keep that duality going. Yeah. Everywhere. And that, that's just I, like I was mentioning earlier. Like there's there's just like subtle hints of like very calculated approach to design mm-hmm. and delivery, and um, and I'm married to a graphic designer, so like she she shows me things. <laughs> and I'm just like man, like. That, that that subtlety doesn't like just you know just just doesn't like jump out and like punch you in the face but once you start to like study what you're looking at it makes right. you appreciate it even more it's like you know it's not like it's like someone just you know filled in with color like now there's like more texture and or there's just like kind of like more of a message to what you're looking at and that's what i i um i mean i love like people that don't live here you know and like i'll have like a you know a few cans of like Thai wheat or especially you know Triforce or um God what's the one it's a uh, it's the it's the ghosts um a Maverick uh, Maverick ghost yeah 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 um, or Meg Margarita yeah yeah, yeah yeah that one yeah. and like it's like just showing them the can they're like man like that's a really cool it's a really cool like design for the cans like yeah, yeah and they're all different and they all have like these badass designs so it, it's actually really neat where it's not just like here's a can of beer it's like well you you kind of want to look at the label before yeah. you start drinking. And like, especially when you're reading like the descriptions and, um, I don't know, I just think it's super cool. Like it, it definitely gives people more of like a huge story. And, and thank you. Um, Goodness gracious. Yeah. It's starting to really come down out there. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's rain folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with our beer and our design, I mean, um, it's, it's complex, yet simple at the same time. You know, we put a lot of layers of flavor in, yeah. but at the same time, I don't, you don't need to think about what are the spices in Thai wheat. You just need to enjoy the Thai wheat. That's how I want you to see it. Yeah. But if you want to go down that rabbit hole, we'll go down that rabbit hole with you and yeah. get super nerdy. That's fine. Yeah, Same sure. with the design. Like It looks super simple and, and nice yeah. and clean on the shelf, but if you really look at it, there's a lot of components that go into each brand. Yeah. And, 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 you know, our job is to put a lot of thought into these things, but it's not your job to do that. Yeah. So it's your job to just enjoy it. And you know, the design gets you my, the first beer 
but the beer gets you the next five in that six pack. Yeah. You know, and that's how we kind of see it. So we yeah. got to make sure we stand apart on the shelves. And when we did that design process, you know, we would, I would take the design book that they made and I would go to greens again and I would go, what stands out amongst the, all these beers? And, you know, we went with the split vertical design, which still no one's doing. And we went with character, uh, uh, product focused design as well. So instead of having a giant second self, huge with tie wheat underneath, we wanted tie wheat to be the main focus with second self above it and then to the right and left. Um, it's, a, it's a design choice. You know, it's some, we get critics on both sides of it. Um, and you'll see most, I think most breweries are moving toward product centric branding and not just uh, brand centric branding. And also the, the vertical split, something that no one's done either at this point. So everyone's doing a horizontal split Mm-hmm. But all the can designs that are coming out right now. So it's kind of interesting having that die line that really stands out on the shelf. So that, that split just makes it so it, when you have them on the shelf, they just stand out. Yeah. It's really cool. No, it's, it's great branding. And I mean, that's a tremendous marketing move, man. It's awesome. Thank you. I love it. it. So uh, let's talk about some of the beers. Um, so I, uh, I mean, I, I, I think I mentioned this like a minute ago. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, also somewhat of a non sequitur. Uh, guys from <laughs> Slow Wave, yeah? So this is, and you guys have this yes. nitro, like coffee. Yeah. This so, is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, Slow Wave's a startup here in Atlanta. Um, they're roasting out of our facility, so there's a roaster in the back. Oh, no way. So they're making all of it in-house. That's great. Um, at the moment, you can get their stuff uh, here or at slowwavecoffee.com. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll... we have a nitro, uh, this is nitro black coffee, but we also have a latte we have as well. It's oh, word. Uh, almond milk, bourbon sugar. Oh, wow. So we want to make uh, uh, allergen, roughly allergen-free. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lactose is a something that we don't want to have here really in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of bacteria and stuff that are there that we don't want in beer. So almond milk's relatively safe in that in that regard, sure. even though it is a nut, which is an allergy. Yeah, but that's tremendous coffee though. I mean, yeah, man, thank shout you. out to those guys. Yeah, and for you for you know incubating part of that. That's awesome. Well, but that's again not non sequitur sequitur as part of the second self vision and story is that the vendors we work with here these are people who I want to work with because they are trying to leave their job and create a second self yeah so they these uh the people who run slow wave they work in insurance and they come here on the weekends and roast coffee and sell coffee and they want that to be their gig and so i loved that story it 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 drew me in and that's why they're here nice you know and same with our artists that we have on the wall these are artists who've never had a gallery space before so we pick first-time artists and you know this is sarah and she's sold half of her art the art behind you that wall is empty because it was all sold so we That's don't awesome. take any gallery fees or anything. We just want to encourage people to create. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I received so much help getting started. The least I can do is give someone a space. That's and, awesome. And, and she makes our space look great. Yeah. So it's a, that's how that's I see beautiful. it. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, this that's is our last cool. week, so she'll there'll be a new artist next week. Oh man, so that's they, super they cool. do two month stints. Yeah. I love that. Thanks. I love that. Yeah, there's there's like a whole another podcast that we can record about <laughs> how you guys are incubating <laughs> the next like wave of ideas. No, yeah, and that's super meta. Slow wave. Yeah. Yeah. The next slow wave of ideas. I'm gonna stop, but um, <laughs> we can keep going. Yeah. So no, that's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to slow wave. That's great coffee. But um, but let's talk about your beers. So I love that you guys have um like. I think it's four four beers that are like all year round. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's gone down to three. So Citrus okay. IPA was officially retired. Uh, okay, uh, the last like two IPA. or keg, two or three kegs are in, in here in the tap room. But thank you. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, the sales kind of slowed down, and it was when those you know we had to uh, buy more cans or not, and it was not the rate that we could buy more cans at. So we decided to just let it go for a while. Gotcha. Um, it'll, it might come back at something else. I think we've we've gone away from pro. Uh, uh, descriptive naming 
Like, so Citrus IPA, I think, is a pretty boring name by today's standards. So if it comes back, it'd be something more fanciful. Yeah, gotcha. But um, but I love that you guys have some some beers that are, like, available year-round. Like, you're not always, like, shifting your calendar for, like, what you guys are brewing. Like, there's always, there's always like, the things that you can steadfastly find on the shelf throughout Atlanta, which mm-hmm. I think is huge. And, um, and we'll get into this in, like, one second. But, like, why Triforce has become my, like, Probably like between that and Tyweed has become well. Probably it's probably like a seventy thirty split now. But um, <laughs> but why I love that beer is you know, for a multitude of reasons. But um, but I love that you guys have that approach where you have um, beers that are constantly available, and then your your other beers that are you know more seasonally available as well. So so talk to me a little bit about you know what you guys do from how you're producing you know, some beers on a constant stream and then more of like a seasonal approach as well. Sure. Yeah. So we have three year round beers uh, next year. Actually, it's not I haven't officially announced it. But we're going to go to five. Uh, we're going to bring Mole and, and Vikings on as year oh, round nice. too. So th- those have been great beers. Um, so it, it, a lot of it's, you know, trying to s- satisfy different niches on the year round beers. Um, you know, Tyweet, ATL, Triforce, the three that we're focusing on there. And with the addition of mole and Vikings, you're kind of getting even more audiences. That's how I look at it that way. And then seasonal, those are driven mostly by, to me, food of the season is kind of how I look at it. So, and that's, you know, like the reason I, uh, pumpkin beers is an example here. We don't do pumpkin beers because pumpkins aren't ripe here until well past pumpkin season. Thank you for not doing pumpkin beers. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, we, we pick things that are in season and make them, but because of a beer delay, you know, because it takes six weeks to get it to you from when we make it, mm-hmm. we have to think about that. So we don't pick things that are have super short seasons, unless it is a taproom only thing. Uh, we have a, a forager we work with to find to get unique ingredients, and we use that in the taproom. So you have some really unique, cool things there, but we're only making like two kegs of. So those are going quick. But the seasonal stuff, mostly, again, kind of seasonal-driven food-wise or what you want to drink at the time. So like Goza's, uh, to mm-hmm. me, are... are great summer beers because they have a little bit of salt a little bit of acid super refreshing um and that's why they're there yeah gotcha yeah but um going back to uh to triforce yeah (laughs) so when you guys um when did you release this beer that was released january this year okay i knew it was i knew it was relatively recent so um Growing up, a mega fan of uh, the Legend of Zelda myself, um, so we're we're, sw- we're we're shifting to a super uh, super nerdy part of the show. But um, but being someone who also like grew up a huge fan of the Legend of Zelda has Link tattooed on my left forearm, um, which a lot of people ask me. I love going to Publix, man. Like when I'm checking out, and like you know the sweet cashiers are like, "Is that Peter Pan on your arm?" And I usually, <laughs> yeah, I, I usually just say yes. I'm like, you know what? Yep, sure is. Yep, huge fan of Disney. Have a great day, you know, yeah. but, uh, but for the people that really know, you know, like they, uh, they really like appreciate it. But like, I was just really stoked to see that, you know, like the, just seeing like the design, especially, you know, and then like, it just like such a great throwback. And then like the beer that's inside of that can, like, you know, shamefully, I will admit, like I can drink like probably three or four of those where usually I have like one beer a night, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's just a beer that I can continue drinking because it's like a really easy going IPA. Yeah. So I, uh, I just want to say thanks. Oh, you're yeah. welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so for that one, um, on the design side, we actually switched designers. Um, Keith Ryan did that one. He's been, a, he's a, been a longtime friend of mine and probably the only one who loves that game more than I do. And so 
I wanted to uh, work with a designer who had the passion for the game, um, a popular video game, as we say, uh, uh, yes. not, not to mention specific <laughs> games. Uh, but yeah, there's a bunch of references built into the can. I think we have 12 different references yeah. built into it and like hidden and around. So um, I mean, but the name was simple. I mean, it really was a, a very simple recipe. It's three malts and three hops. That's how awesome. the, the name came about. And it was just serendipitous. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, huge fan Thank uh, you. of everything happening with Triforce. But um but yeah, man, I um I guess like, you know, one of my other questions just around your beer is like I think a lot of people, you know, if they're uh m- maybe less less comfortable with beer like than I am or if it's someone from out of town, like people ask me the question of like, you know, which beer should I try? And I usually ask them like, well, "What kind of beers do you like?" Right. You know, like it, it it's not necessarily like this beer is going to like totally turn you on to this brewery necessarily. Um, typically people have like a profile that they're either admitting that they want to try or that they think that they like, you know, they're like, I think I like porters. Like, Mm -hmm. well, when's the last time you had a porter? Like, or you just, you just might like really like dark beer. But if you were to, to try and give someone like, you know, a leg up into saying like, Hey, if you want to get to know like second self the best way, like where would you start someone out? I almost always start someone on Thai wheat because it does, does show a lot of what we can do in one beer. Um, it shows restraint, it shows flavor, it shows clarity, um, drinkability. I mean, it, it, I think it, a lot of it is tied up in that beer. Um, but you know, I, I always do start off with what is your favorite beer. I don't just go right to it. But if I had to pick one, that'd be the one, I'd say. Nice. Yeah. it's awesome. Um, well, man, as we're wrapping up here, I mean, I... Again, huge fan of what you guys are doing. I mean, everything from, you know, like your guys' story of how you guys started the brewery to, you know, approach with branding to the beers that you guys have and, um, you know, whether you're drinking it here at the tap room or buying cans at the grocery store or greens or wherever you're buying beer around Atlanta. And where else do you guys distribute, by the way? So we're now in three states. So we are in Alabama, um, Georgia, and South Carolina now. So, gotcha. Yeah. So... That's awesome, man. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. And just with like the last like minute or two here, um, tell me a little bit about like what's, what's kind of next for second self, like any news that you guys have coming up, like the floor is yours, man. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have a lot going on. I mean, so here in the tap room, this, we have probably, I mean, we have events happening all the time from, from yoga and comedy night. Uh, again, people who are startups that we want to focus on. Um, same with some of our food pop-ups. These are people who um, are chefs somewhere else and they're trying to create their own thing or sometimes they're moonlighting here for a little bit. So a lot of food events. Uh, we're doing uh, a VIP experience um, next month. So we're doing uh, table-side service. We're doing charcuterie from Pine Street and uh, Market oh, in Avondale nice. and some cheese. So we're doing like a food pairing. Rusty's a cool dude. Like, yeah, Rusty's one of my favorite people. Yeah. Um, when I lived in Decatur... Um, he just opened, and I tried to learn as much as possible from him. Yeah. So I got into meat curing and everything yeah. uh, from him. And I, I, I actually, if you ever do one of his classes, I typically provide the beer for it. Nice. So he nice. actually catered my wedding. So he was. Oh, perfect. Uh, we're, we're like super close. So nice. Like, yeah, great yeah. guy. Um, not to derail about meat because we can talk about that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, tasting rooms, a lot of stuff here. Uh, new beers coming out. Uh, Juniper just hit this week. So that's our Juniper Rosemary Spruce beer. Oh, I can't wait to so try that. Super fall awesomeness um perfect beer for thanksgiving old doyle's coming back we're using slow wave coffee this year that's our russian imperial stout nice and then we have a lot a lot of taproom only beers right now we have eight on but we have about 43 in the queue from from our brewing team so we've done a lot with uh brett and 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 lactobacillus these are different kind of yeast and bacterias we're actually working with kennesaw state to develop 
um, proprietary e-strands and isolating things that we've done. So they've been a great help to us in, in making that program great. And so uh, you'll see a lot of really cool stuff coming out of the tap room. So just come by and see us. Yeah. You know, we're open Thursday through Sunday now, but those hours are going to change. So Very cool. Yeah, we're going to open up a little bit more. That's awesome. Well, man, Jason Santamaria, thank you for being on the show, man. Yeah. It's a pleasure having you. Ben, it's a pleasure. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Well, there you have it. If you're wishing that you had a cold can of Thai weed or Triforce in your hand, that's by design. By Jason, Chris, and the rest of the team at Second Self Beer Company. If you'd like to pick up a few cans for yourself or visit the tap room for a few, check out these guys at secondselfbeer.com for all of the information that you're going to need. And many thanks go out to Jason and the entire team at Second Self for having me at the brewery to record this episode. Cheers to all of you guys. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Getz. And if you like what you hear, you can support the show on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry. <laughs>